behind you now. He'll split you, pretty boy. He'll split you! He'll split you. He'll split you. Run. 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 Alright everybody, welcome to our annual Halloween month Ooh. and a half. <laughs> I love how you see month and a half. Spooky. Yeah, we got we are extending Halloween month because go figure, the guys just sit us to frame like horror. Yeah, exactly. And we just talked Barbie, so we need a cleansing, cleansing <laughs> of the soul. We need the antidote. And what's the antidote for that? Horror. Yep. So we've got haunted house horror, exorcism horror, all kinds of horror coming up. And all every Halloween, we seem to time it right when a good ha- Halloween movie is coming out. Obviously, Halloween Ends would have been one of them. And, of course, the new Exorcist comes out next week. Um, so we'll be putting that one in the mix. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it's good. I've heard some rumors, but I don't really – I try to stay away from it, but – Unfortunately, with social media, things always pop up that you don't want to see. And I read spoilers, I must admit, it's, it's a habit I'm trying to break. Well, um, that's your fault. Yeah, well, yeah. who, who, who else's would it be? You know, but yes, uh, I'm keeping a completely open mind about this new Exorcist film until I see it. Yeah, well, that's the way it should be in any film. Yeah, 100%. All right, so, back in 1984, a little studio called New Line Cinema, was not doing well. And they decided, Robert Shea decided to team up with a little man called Wes Craven and give it one more go. And that little film was A Nightmare on Elm Street. And New Line Cinema has always been the house that Freddie built. Yeah. Ever since then. And that's a great story. I've always liked that story. Mm-hmm. Little Engine That Could Studio made it big because of a horror. They went on to obviously do Lord of the Rings and all those films, New Line Cinema. So and they won Oscars now, and so kudos to New Line Cinema. Kudos to Freddy Krueger. And kudos to Freddy. The bastard son of a thousand maniacs. <laughs> that's right. And child rapist. Well, there you go. Let's yeah. Well, wow, I mean, let's, really, let's really throw that one in the mix who, here. Who, people, then, huh? who then became... The sick bastards who have Freddy dolls. Yeah. Freddy uh, then became a rapper as well. Yeah, huh? um, pedophile back rapper. in the 80s. Yeah. They're big in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, so. and they were selling dolls. I mean, never mind Barbara. Is... We had fucking Freddy dolls when we were kids. Oh, you know God, what I mean? I know. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so in the mid-90s, well, late-90s, Lionsgate came about. Small independent company. Did all horror. They did a little film called Saw. Saw and his little little brothers that came after it. Every Halloween, we got the new Saw film. And they, a movie that cost a million to make would go on to make millions every year. And that built Lionsgate into a big company who now does big budget films, including The Hunger Games, and so forth and so forth. All thanks to a little film called 
saw. Well, it just shows that all of these studios have done the great things. Their roots are in horror, and if it wasn't for horror, the much criticised horror, they wouldn't be where they are today. I'm not saying that they're ungrateful about it, but I think it's it's worth noting. Well, red horror films are always the redheaded stepchild, and so they're always frowned upon. But yet, they're the, they always go back to it because they know that's what's gonna that's gonna profit. Money makers, yeah. Then we have a new studio called Eight Twenty Four Studios. They have done. They're Australian, I believe. A lot of their productions are Australian, but they do like four million to ten million budget films. And all their films seem to do really well for them. We just recently talked to one called X. Yes. Uh, T West Films and Pearl and so forth. But they also did, I hate mentioning them, but they did profit and they did they did uh, the witch. review well. The Witch, Hereditary, Green Room, It Comes at Night. Um, and now... Uh, the Lighthouse? They, I didn't mention that one on purpose. <laughs> oh, you're not going to wave it? <laughs> so you can kind of say these guys took the elevated horror... And or smarter horror, and you know they did something different with the horror name and kind of did their own little genre with it. Um, things like a bump in the night and, and cults and stuff like that. So, kudos to A twenty four for doing doing that, and they've maintained that image. Um, to, to me, there's, reason- to me, there's no elevated horror, or there's no um, you know non elevated horror for want of a better phrase. There's just horror. Let's just you know. Okay, so yeah, I know, I know, but it's. Unfortunately, you film snobs. I'm not a film snob. I'm, you know, you like Lighthouse. What's so what? <laughs> so I don't care. Don't care. Uh, so let me get back to what I was talking about here. Now, on a $4 million budget, they have their most successful film to date. It's made $72 million worldwide. And that little film is called Talk to Me. This is written and directed by, I believe, Brothers. Philip Michael uh, Philip Powell. I'm probably butchering that. I apologize. They are Australian. You know, Australians make good fucking movies. Yeah, and they and they they got some good actors down there, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, they really built an empire in their in their industry. And kudos. To, well, you, um, you mean you, James Wan and the gang. You know, they're all from down there, I believe. Well, you, I mean, so, you go back to the Mad Max films as well, the original Mad Max films. Then in the eighties, we also yeah. had um, the classic soap Neighbors. You know, come, comes from Australia. Well, you had, you had, <laughs> you had, you had in the seventies. You had what they call uh, it was called Aussie exploitation. Exploitation. That's what the Aus- Mad Max yeah. films were. The first two. Mad anyway. Max, and then they got into the, the the more fun stuff where it was Crocodile Dundee yeah. was was a hit. And then you had uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, became a massive mm-hmm. hit. Introduced us to Hugo Weaving. Introduced us to Guy Pearce. Well, actors that. Our household name for us now. Guy Pierce started so, the Neighbors as well. Yeah, they all started the Neighbors. Sort of Russell Crowe, I'm sure. Yeah, he did actually. Yeah. Rus- yeah. You know, they all did. So you, you just keep bringing up fucking Neighbors. <laughs> oh, fuck's sake. Over in the UK, it's fucking Doctor Who. In fucking Australia, it's, it's, it's Neighbors. Are you happy? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, there we go. I swear to God, if I mention any of these names and, and you bring up Neighbors, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Oh my god! All right, so this film I've watched it quite a few times, believe it or not. Every time you watch it, it's got really good rewatchability because you catch little things that you miss. Yes. And the wonderful thing about it, it's ninety minutes long. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It gets to the point, um, and it's it's and it, it's fast paced. But at the same time, even though it's fast paced and you. 
you think it should be rushed, it isn't. It's so well cut. Tight. It's so it, yeah, it's tightly woven, and it's and it's all due not well the editing directors, but the actors sell it. Oh yeah, I, I was going to mention that. Um, I think, it, and they're a very young cast, apart yes. from Miranda no Otto. Um, yeah, very young actors. Yeah, and yeah. they are all bang on. And one thing I, I and also very well written as well because uh, very well written and acted because they behave like actual teenagers and they yeah. totally sell it. Yeah, it's a young actress who steals the show, Sophie Wilde, who plays Mia. You've got um, Marcus Johnson, who's the father, Max. You got Joe Bird, who's excellent in it, plays Riley. Like I've never felt so sorry for a character in my entire life. And he even looks vulnerable, that kid, you know what I mean? It cast, yeah. cast perfectly. Um, you've got the sister, uh, Jade, who's wonderfully acted yep. in it. I felt sorry for her, even her character. Oh, she's just her, you can, her, her self-esteem mm-hmm. is questioned in this. Uh, Alexander Jensen plays her. We got the great Miranda Otto, who I always like to see, who plays the mother, who's so fun. Um, then you got the two bullies, but they're not. They're kind of very likable. They're vulnerable. That's Haley yeah. and Joss. As well. They're all in a way. And then you got, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they all are vulnerable. Yeah. And kids. it's almost like a horror film meets the breakfast club. Yeah. Because you have these set teens that you're going to be introduced to. There's not many bodies in this. It's pretty much just the set group. And I know they're going to do a sequel now. And the brother said, we have one in mind. So I hope to God they don't fucking ruin it. Yeah. Um, and if they are going to come back and revisit these guys, I hope they all come back. Um, but again, we don't know. Uh, we'll just see how it goes. Here's the great thing about it. It's It's different. And A24, whether I like their stuff or not, like the lighthouse, at least they have the balls to, to test the waters. Yeah, take risks. And they, exactly. T- and that's what indie can do yeah. because there's nobody to bully them. They can do what they want. Mm-hmm. So what I like about it, it's not your typical horror film. It is pretty much just about a possession that has gone wrong. Now, a possession that's gone wrong sounds kind of funny. A possession, pretty much something has gone wrong. It's a Ouija but, board film, but with a hand. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it is a Ouija board, I guess you can say. It is a fun possession game gone wrong. I don't... Let's just jump into it real quick. Go for it. And the opening scene grabs you right away. I mean, this opening scene is fucking awesome. The brother, Cole, yes. is running in to get, his, to get his brother out of his party. Kicks open the door, sees his brother. He's all bloody, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. He knows his, his brother's on something. We don't know at this point. But all of a sudden, he stabs his brother. And then he takes a knife to his face. Oh, Yeah, it's a brutal opener. The first couple minutes of this movie, nail it, and they've got me. And, and they also set the tone for what's to come. Exactly. Um, it is a hard... I mean, you don't see it in the... Th- I've never seen this in the theater. I think I saw this with you. We did. We, we, we went. It was um, the two of us and my other friend, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, yes, right. We were going to review it, but we wanted to save it for Halloween yeah. month and a half. But the inter and then we 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 meet we meet uh, Mia, who is at her her uh, two year I guess the two year anniversary of her mother's death. Yes, and she's obviously not doing well. You can see with a great shot. Again, this is all done within first 15 minutes of this film. Not even. You're introduced to Mia and the father. You already know there's some tension there. The father's blurred out in the background and all you see is Mia doing the dishes and she is 
Uh, you can tell she's rolling her eyes. Clearly, she's, she blames her father for something. Mm-hmm. We don't really know what that is yet. And then she goes to pick up Riley, um, who's pretty much her adopted brother. And their, their whole relationship is and chemistry is brilliant. And then you bring in the sister into the mix, uh, Jade. Yes. Into the mix. And, and the mom... They pretty much have adopted Mia into their family since the mom is passing. Yeah. And it is just a, a great dynamic. And you really, really get these characters. You can relate to at least one of them. I love how um, Miranda Otto's mother character is like so suspicious of teenagers and, and she's yeah. always trying to catch them out. Um, yeah, you know what you know what to do with. So when's the party? The party? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah uh, Mia was just telling me about the party. When is that? What party? Yeah. And then she questions the guy. Is it David you call him? Um, Daniel. He, um, yeah, she questions him. And he, and he says, where's your drink? You got a drink in the car? You got your alcohol? He goes, no, no, yeah. actually, I don't drink. He goes, you're good. <laughs> yeah. You say, Daniel, yeah, my daughter's vagina, off limits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you can feel their cringe because, like, if you, if your, your mom did say that, whenever you were a teenager to your friends, you would be mortified, you know? It's just very well played and written. It is. I mean, it's 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 almost like I mentioned the Breakfast Club. It's got a very John Hughes kind of feel to it. Yeah. And it by this whole dynamic, this first fifteen minutes or so, uh, you don't want things to go wrong. Yeah. You're rooting for them. Oh yeah, it's setting them up well. And also, I also uh, would like to mention um, Riley's totally obnoxious fucking friend. <laughs> uh, you know, when they're smoking at the start and stuff. Oh yeah, but he's yeah he's. Very small part. Oh, I know that. But, yeah. but he's just he, he's just well again. It's just well realized, you know. And what also works, they they get away from the cliche of the of the bullies of the brats. There's always a brat or somebody. You have these two, um, Haley and Josh, who are very good in it as well. They're not as in it as much. Um, they might be in a sequel. We don't know. Um, they're kind of outside the box, but they're kind of like the, uh, the they would be considered the bullies. But they're but they're not. They're quite likable. They're well-rounded um, characters. Yeah, they're well. They're not the yuppies. They're not these. Yeah, well, well, you know, yeah, 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 you, you liked them. There's some tension between Haley and Mia, um, but we don't really know what that is. But it's nothing that you really dwell they're, on. They're not caricatures. They're actually believable characters. You know, um, so I, I thought that was great. You know, the, just the, the characterization of all of the sort of young characters, and again, as I say, um, the the acting spot on. Yeah, it really hits home when they go to the party. Talk to me. So, this thing, which by the way, you can buy for Christmas, is coming out. You can buy the hand. Fuck. Right, then that's a beautiful Christmas present, a possessed hand. You know, I'm gonna get one. <laughs> Are you gonna try and sort of conjure up? Um, no, no, in my, no, in my luck, I'll get some asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'll get the asshole that Daniel gets. Here the face, not what I'm gonna come back and haunt you. You know what I mean? Oh, that's, that's that'd be the that is the worst. I'd rather have a zoo. <laughs> Or Captain Howdy yeah. inside me. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Fucking Captain Howdy ain't got shit on me. I'm come back. I'm going to come back and haunt you with talk of Doctor Who and the lighthouse. <laughs> fucking hell. And neighbors. <laughs> oh, you know what? You don't have to. All I have to do is hit play in one of our fucking podcasts. <laughs> exactly. Fucking hell. So the whole object is that they hold this hand and they say, talk to me. And then they see the person in front of them. Uh, only they see it, right? They're just a spirit, an entity. 
And then they say, um, I let you in. I let you in. And boom. It's really cool when uh, Mia does it. So Mia puts her hand in and she goes, you know, let me in. Her, the way she sells it when she first sees yes. the ghost for the first time is so so fun. She's a very good actress. She is. She's, she's got a career. Yeah. And, but once she says, I let you in, her head goes back. Her eye, her pupils just go black and large. And she's so creepy and yeah. so... And it's not just the cool eyes. It's her selling it. The second time they do the hand thing, there's like a montage of them all trying it just before Riley does it. And um, the, the Mia character, she's like doing this like sort of Caribbean singing type thing. And it's just... it's She's just really, really good in it. Yeah, she was like a New Orleans zing, yeah. a, a New Orleans jazz singer, I think she was, or something like that. Yeah, with the possessed eyes and stuff, it's just so yeah. it works so well. But she, but the rules are ninety seconds, and if it's over ninety seconds, the the possessor takes over. Yes. So that's pretty much the rules, and they have to light a candle before they touch the hand, and then blow the candle out. So you open the, you turn the light on to let them in. And you turn the light off to let them out. Yeah. Pretty much the rules. Simple. Yep. I fuck I fucked those up in a second. Um but yeah, she she's this drowned woman, which uh just really creepy. And when she comes out of it, and how she's she sells being so frightened, but at the same time of joy. Uh yes, it's, it's almost like she was just on a roller coaster. Yeah, it's like a buzz. They get a buzz from it. You know, yeah, it's, it's the new drug. Yeah, um, and but again, but also I, there, there's what she plays really well. She's also like there's a bit of bravado there as well, where she doesn't um want to appear like a pussy in front of her friends. You know what I mean? So there's yeah, there's looking on, and it's it's really well you know put across. Yeah, when Riley gets to play, no. Riley doesn't play yet. Yes, Riley's in the next the uh, the next sequence. The montage sort of the montage sequence. They, but when you're when you're introduced for the first time, you almost want to play it. I know it sounds creepy, but you do. Oh, there's a temptation uh, there. Absolutely. There's there's a te- yeah, there's there's definitely a temptation there, poking the bear. Yep. And you, you really kind of enjoy this whole sequence of events, and then it goes to. Where they decide the mom's going to go away for a bit. And this is where we're talking about the mom thinks it's a party going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And she invites the regulars to come over. And they decide to do it again. And this is where you're talking about the montage. And then per Daniel gets a spirit. Yeah. And he kisses his dog. Kind of, it, yeah, he makes out with the dog and fucking the floor. But it's funny because he turns to uh, Jade. And, he, and the spirit in him says, he hates it when you touch him. Mm-hmm. You make him feel soft. Yeah. And then the spirit turns to Mia because right there we knew Mia has a very small fling with Daniel in the past. Yeah. Um, and now Daniel's with obviously Jade. And the Mia looks at it, giddy as a schoolgirl going, hee hee. And Jade's obviously humiliated. Mm-hmm. And then ends up making out the dog. There's some kind of. I don't know what 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 he what possessed him, but obviously clearly somebody was really horny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he could turn the off the cameras, yeah. turn off the cameras. He's yeah. all embarrassed. Well, th- I think those are good touches as well, and they also do it in the in the opening scene 
with the brothers. You know, with um, these days, um, if some shit goes down, everybody's got their cameras out instead of actually trying to help or or help their friends out. It's like, oh, they go straight to their camera phones and, and you know, which is pretty obscene. And then everything's posted online. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I like that they addressed that. So, they have this, yeah, this nice montage scene where all the actors got to play a part, um, all playing different characters as they're possessed. And it's a fun montage and a fun sequence. And you have, you already, like I said, you already have all these likable characters. We kind of know how the rules are already played. And then you have Riley. Oh, yes. Now, all these characters are vulnerable somewhat. Mia's probably very vulnerable, but Riley oh, is the youngest. Youngest. He's the youngest. And you know something's going to go wrong. Jade, the sister says no, but she leaves the room. Mia says, okay, let's do it. And this is where her decision to do that is going to be her downfall. Yep. So when Riley goes under and it is, I got to say, just terrifying. It's brutal. It's, it is brutal to watch. This is the reason why it got the, the, the rating it did because of this one sequence. It lasts for just a couple minutes and it is gut-wrenching to watch because you, you feel, because you've already invested in the characters because we like them already and we know that Riley's going to be vulnerable that this when this goes when this goes to shit you, you just you feel so sorry it's, for him it's, it's terrifying it's yeah. terrifying yeah you're terrified because for when, him when he goes under he turns to Mia and the possessor kicks in he turns to Mia and starts talking to her I am sorry I didn't want to leave you Mia realizes oh shit that's my mother yep. and so she causes him this is her guilt causes him to stay past the 90 seconds which now the possessor takes over and he's banging his face to the ground. Um, you don't see it coming. You're just watching this film. And all of a sudden, he's banging his head on the coffee table, banging on the corner shelving, trying to take his eye out. Oh, fuck. It's, yeah, it's gruesome. Like, it is. Yeah, it is. Oh. And, it, and the reactions to the friends and how they're trying to stop him. It's so, it's like they're, they're really going through this, mm-hmm. allowing us to go through it with them. And that's what and it's works. prolonged. I mean, you, you say it, it is a couple of minutes, but it, it feels longer because it's prolonged. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's because after that's the so scene's violent. done, after the scene's done, you're still thinking about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That's why it also feels prolonged. It's such terrifying imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you you said earlier on this is why they got the rating. Um, you know, I, I'm presuming it was an 18 certificate because of this, but um, you know, uh, if they had have left it out or cut it or chopped it up. It wouldn't. It would have weakened the film so much. So I'm so glad they kept it him because it's so important. Yeah, and now Mia's f- second family is falling apart. Jay's obviously mad at her because she let him do it, and then but the mother thinks she because Mia got busted for doing a little pot. Yeah, the mother thinks that she gave her some drugs, gave Riley some drugs yes. to cause him to do this. So she's now been blacklisted from the family. She she goes. She trusts and trusts and stuff. So. That's been taken away from her all of a sudden, too. Um, it's just solid, solid stuff. And Red Otto, for the small part she has, she, she's the veteran actress. They wanted to probably get a veteran Australian actress in here. And they brought her on board, and, and, and she's uh, She also quite produced solid. it? Uh, she's like an, a producer on it? Oh, well. okay. I didn't, I didn't catch yeah. that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, here's what I don't get. 
Why is she having the visions? Because Riley is the one who's still possessed, technically. Because uh, she even went under he, um, for a couple of times and was under a bit too long. But uh, again, it's these spirits, these entities from this netherworld that it's not really our mother. They're, they're fucking mother. You know what I mean? They're, they're playing with Oh, I know. We, yeah, we don't know either. Yeah. We, we don't know. Is that her mother or not? Because there's some scenes coming up. But At this point. I don't understand the vision. She was never under past 90. I was under a couple of times. The first time, did she not go slightly overt? No. No. Well, m- 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 um, I think the only other explanation then would be that because she was so vulnerable due to the death of her mother and she was so desperate to speak, um, um, so she left herself to speak to her dead mother and so she left herself wide open for this type the of only thing. The only thing I can think of is because Riley took the persona of the mother originally, yes. that's what we thought it was. Because he went over the 90, that spirit's kind of open game now. So it's toying with me up because they know the mother is the vulnerable part. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, because uh, that, they don't really, they don't really explain. And that's, I was just about to say, and that's a good. That, that to me, that is the best way. Um, because you know, treat your audience with respect that they actually have a brain in their head and they can sort of think about these things and work them out. Um, you know, yeah. So again, um, kudos to the script once again for not you know spelling it out. Um, type thing. Um, yeah, um, my take on it was more like Reagan and the Exorcist, um, were, which I just rewatched recently. It, it's um, Mia was vulnerable, and so she, she was more open to, for want of a better phrase, possession. There's a, there's a scene that's so good, mm-hmm. and it just well, it's not the intro to the scene. It's where she gets caught sucking on Daniel's feet. Yes, yes. But they're both sleeping. But it's and, not her. Yeah. But she wakes up. Mm-hmm. And it's all dark. Yes. And you know how you wake up in the dark? Uh-huh. Everything's dark, black. Yeah, that usually happens when you wake up in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> but your eyes adjust. Yes. And you can see a little bit of shadowing. Yeah. So how they did this shot, I don't know what's delivered, but I'm fucking going with, I'm going with that. It's, you know, they did this. I would say it would be. So she gets up. We see it from her point of view. And the camera pans to the uh, pan around from the from the front of the room to just the side of it, and we see these two little dots, and it looks like eyes, mm-hmm. and it's like fucking creepy. Yeah. But then again, it cuts back to her, and then when it cuts back to her, looking at the same shot we just saw, we realize it's just two doorknobs from the closet. Mm-hmm. But it distracted us from seeing that there was actually something in the corner. Yeah. The you didn't care. Oh, woman, so well done. The woman, the woman sucking. Who was actually sucking on Daniel's yeah. feet, but it's actually her possessed, being possessed. Thing, yeah, but it was just so clever. It's a misdirect. Yeah, we're focusing on the closet and the eyes, where we don't really realize the things in the corner. Yep, wonderful, wonderful. That's very something James Wan would do. Yeah, um, just kudos. Nice, best shot of the film, hands down. So. Yeah, everything's going nuts. Daniel's not talking because she's sucking on her foot. Yeah, and this poor woman has no. She's fucked. Mm-hmm. She's literally fucked. There's no, even if you think about it, Mia has no way out of this, but one way, which we'll find well, out. Well, she's yeah, she's basically yeah. Regarding her sort of personal life, I mean, everyone's now against her. When the father try, try, tries to tell her, finally decides to tell her, listen, you're old enough. I need to tell you something. And he reads her the suicide note. And he re- she refuses to believe it. Mm-hmm. And she goes into a room and then the dead mother um, shows up and says, it's a lie. So 
I was I was like, is is she playing with her yet? We don't really know. And so we don't know. Did the father do something? Because we still. And then he heard the banging on the on the door. Me open this fucking. So I thought you had me the first time I saw this film that the father had some rage and he's gonna go after her. Yep. You're like, damn. That's not the case. But then it's not. It's her her imagination or the the, the possession going on. Yeah. And then she actually stabs her father in the throat. Yeah. Who we know survives. Well, the, the father was completely innocent in every respect. Yeah. But that was the whole point. There's a lot of... Well, the one thing these guys... Uh, one of the things these guys are very good at is misdirect. Mm-hmm. And to tell a good ghost story, if you can misdirect, then you've done it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Flanagan was brilliant at it when he did The Haunting of Hill House. I haven't seen that he, yet. Oh, it's incredible. And now he's doing The Fall House of Usher, which is probably uh, coming out here any day now. Yeah. So he's he's very good at you know playing with the audience. Yes. Yeah. Playing with audience expectations. It's it's so good. So Mia decides she's got um she's going to go under. Because at this point she's fucked. Yes. She's no other option. She's no other option. She's She's grabbed this. Yeah, and it's to save Riley as well, obviously. Yeah, she thinks she's killed her father. Mm -hmm. She's went in to talk to this Riley, and we find out that he is possessed by this hideous evil creature i found it um, stuff with um where it's basically it's be, you find out that riley is actually in this um horrific sort of netherworld limbo type um and they're basically ripping his soul to shreds you know what i mean that, that, yeah that it's almost like it's like a purgatory in hell yeah or something glimpses of it and it's pretty dark stuff like you know it's pretty yeah it looks like a big orgy almost yeah but not a, and, but not a good one yeah yeah um well, I wouldn't want. Okay, well, I don't want. Okay, Trevor. Um, so, wow. Okay. Phew. I mean, there's nothing right, nice so, about this orgy. Wow, we know what Trevor does in his day off. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> no, oh wow, there you go. Um, so, once Mia and the the spirit lets lets her in to see what he's going through, uh, Riley is. She's got no choice at this point. Mm-hmm. So, the only way she can do is kill him. Yes, and free his soul. And free a soul. And she's going to do this. But there's a great... Again, I said in the beginning of the podcast, the rewatchability of it, where this whole time she's been misled by her mother or she's been guided by her mother who's given her wrong decisions. Yes. Making her uh, do, wrong, uh, do wrong. So she has... And there's Jade uh, running after her. She is going to throw Riley into the traffic, mm-hmm. pretty much, to end his pain. And the mother's, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. Um, and then, but the mother says one thing. And all Mia does is look up. Yep. Meaning she knows the mother's lying. Yes, and it's not even really that, her mother. Yeah. Yeah, well, yes. When the when she says his soul will be with us now. Yeah. Yep. Same thing that the possessor of Riley said. Yep. So right there, she knows she's been played. So she... Takes her own life. Yeah. Now, it's a wonderful transition. When she gets up, you know she's pretty much passed because she's in the hospital hallways and you see Riley getting up, um, but they're not acknowledging her. She's still up, beaten up and, and broken hands, yes, broken and, fingers. And time is sort of going differently for her. Yeah. She's dead. And there's also a brilliant the, the, scene where she looks at herself in the mirror when she's dead and there's no reflection. That This harks back to an earlier scene where she talks about having a dream 
where um, she, she, I believe it's Daniel she, she tells it to, or it might be Riley. Um, uh, but anyway, she talks about a dream that she has at the, at the beginning, near the beginning of the film, where she looks at herself in the mirror and she's no reflection. We then th- that is what happens when she dies at the end. Yeah, and then she sees the father yes. ignoring her, and she he's, she's screaming for him to come, and obviously we you know the father survived then. Um, it, it and just, Riley survived. So, I was glad Riley survived. I mean, I'm pretty. Morbid. Well, I don't get that though. Why is he not still possessed? Because uh, I don't know. I'm presuming her sacrifice meant that um, they basically she, she it's a self sacrifice where she's um, basically now in the land of the dead. Um, so she sacrificed herself for Riley to survive, but also the spirits were lying about presumably, possibly lying about what was actually happening with Riley, you know, um, and they were looking Riley so proper. So maybe Riley wasn't in that netherworld, you know, after all, and they were just playing with her. Again, there's there's a lot to sort of, there's a lot of interpretations here. Yeah, especially because Riley technically would be, maybe you're right, maybe. I don't know if something was said because when the mother says his soul will be with us, I don't know. I, I, I think I think they no that. no. What it was was, I think right when when Riley was in the coma, um, he was basically he was like between worlds, you know, between our world and also what the comas are, are in a way like, and also mm-hmm. the, the land of the dead, and um, I think for him to fully sort of make the transition over to the land of the dead, he had to die, and they were trying to get me to kill him. Um, but then Mia realized this is bullshit, so she sacrificed herself. Did she really have to sacrifice herself? But um, I suppose I don't know. But uh, I, that's why I don't get yeah. what there was no there was nothing mentioned about self sacrifice. Yes, I don't think she had to do that unless they might have. I might have missed yeah. it. Uh, but anyway, um, but basically, it still works. Oh yeah, well, it, yeah. yeah, well, it had to have a big finale anyway, and sort of it does work. Um, but essentially, she realized that these spirits were lying. And, and they were actually trying to get her to kill Riley so that then they would fully have Riley's soul. Um, so the word, but she caught on to this. Um, and so she saves Riley, you know, she saves his life. She, she's the hero. She becomes the hero, um, you know. Yeah. I, and she totally I, I do, compensates I do, for the bad decisions that she made throughout the film. I love, I love when she wakes up from the hospital yeah. and she's looking at some stranger. Yeah. And now she's become one of the spirits yeah, in the game. Yeah, it's, it's a very nice touch. And, yeah, and then he says, talk to and me. And they're like the South American or something, so it's like in a different continent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. It'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, you know, the brothers did have something ready to go for a sequel, and they're not just going to rush something out. I think I should um, just leave it as it is and move on to like a, a different project altogether. The, the problem yeah, with these types of I, films, when they do, do make sequels, they're, it's the law of diminishing returns. Just fucking leave it as it is and, and make a new horror film, you know, with yeah, different characters. Maybe. And, yeah, maybe. Yeah. You, you, you bring the same cast, some of the, the cast back, but I, play different characters. If they do a sequel, I want the cast back. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I want a sequel to them. Yeah. Where they're at. Yeah, follow up I, to even, their story. Even the, two little, even the two kind of bully kind of characters, I want to see them. Yeah. Bigger parts because they were all very good. So if you if you we're gonna now have to adapt to a whole new team of this, I'm not gonna enjoy exactly. it. Exactly. I don't think you you can't strike lightning in a bottle twice. Whatever this, yeah. whatever the uh, the saying is. But if you if you're gonna do it, bring these guys back. Yeah. No. No. hundred um, because we want again. Uh, uh, this, this is a bit of an obscure reference, but the um the, the main issue I, I I haven't seen you know the. 
female reboot of Ghost, Ghostbusters. I haven't seen it. And you don't want to know why? It's not because it's like all female. It's because it's not fucking Bill Murray. It's not fucking Egon Spangler. And it's not, you know, it's not the original. The, the, I want to see the continuation of, of their story. So yes, it's basically what you're saying here. If they do make a sequel, don't want a new cast. We want to have a continuation of the story of these characters. Yeah, let them decide. Let's go get her back. Mm-hmm. Something. I don't know. Or not even get her back. Maybe they're depressed and they want to see if she's okay. And they try to conjure yeah. her up again. That's like That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, they are. It's... Yeah. You know, but they're... Again, I, I hope it's not rushed. Yeah. Well, this is the so. issue as well. Uh, when they rush them through. But also, um, yeah, it's... You know, they're never as good as the originals. For, for the most part, by far. Yeah. There you go. Uh, we'll see what happens. So, uh, yeah. Very solid. Pass. Very solid film. We'll, we've seen it so, all before now, you know, these possession-type films. But at the same time, this is, I think, what really elevates this and, and brings it to the fore is um, a brilliant script, um, brilliant characters, and brilliant um, acting by the young cast. Yeah, I, I, we've we've been pretty much saying that through the whole podcast. Yeah. So, it, and and so it was nice because after seeing that well received and box office hit Smile, which was the biggest train wreck I've ever seen, yep. it's nice to see this one live up to its its popularity because it deserves it. It's a it's a fun film. And these studios rock. And these studio and the horror studios all the way. Uh, so there you go, and uh, we're done. That's our first. Dun, dun. First of Halloween. First film. First one. First Halloween month and a half. Yeah. Uh, fuck it. We'll just f- fucking scrap uh, Christmas and just make Christmas Halloween 2. No, we got some good Christmas horror. <laughs> We're going to do Violet Night. That's supposed to be good. Yeah. And uh, Harbor. Yes, that's and, uh, yeah, the guy from Stranger Things. Yeah, we'll probably have to tackle Home Alone or something. Oh, fuck, some please, film. no. I've never right, seen we'll Home Alone, by the way. Ah, it's a good oh, Home Alone's classic. It just it never appealed to me at the time or to this day, you know? Um, well, maybe we'll do like all horror Halloween, all Christmas, we'll do horror, horror, horror. <laughs> oh, by the way, people, so we got Halloween month and a half, right? And so, dipshit, I won't mention his names, but he's talking <laughs> on the podcast right now. <laughs> we are going to, just to shut him up and get this over with, we're going to, at the end of November, we're going to do Doctor Who. Yes, to celebrate the 60th um, anniversary of Doctor Who, I have browbeat Kieran into doing a Doctor Who podcast. A listener to the and podcast, Mark Damien Lawler, will be happy about that as well. Well, you know, I um, I thought about this, and I, I was, do I want this or put myself in a coma? <laughs> and I just wasn't sure. And then I thought, you know what? If I can tear this to shreds and see if Trevor can come back on anything I say, I'm like, this might be a treat. Yeah, well, uh, all, you know, I look forward to it, and it will. I, I would imagine it will be an explosive one, almost as explosive as the Doctor and his TARDIS fighting the Daleks. Oh my God! <laughs> the power on that note, uh, please give us a shout at Citizen Frame underscore podcast on Instagram, and of course on Facebook. The new issue of Phantasmagoria is out now, available on Amazon all over the world, and of course locally here in Belfast and Forbidden Planet. And other shops across the U.S. There we have it. Thanks for listening, all. You take care of yourselves. We'll chat soon. I don't know what the next film is because I'm disorganized. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure it's going to be burnt offerings. 
All right, take care of yourselves.